Happy New Year. Praise the Lord. 2022 is going to be a better year. Every year we get closer to the Lord, better year. So John 13 is where we're going to park today. Uh, John 13 is a beautiful illustration of the laver. Uh, we've been talking a lot about that. By the way, just a comment on what Pastor was saying on the, uh, on the movement of the Southern Baptist to Independent. I'm, it's interesting that the, every movement of God ends up in apostasy. Every movement of God, when he begins to move, God's people, over time, men take over, kick God out, and it becomes a machine. And then God intervenes, and he always preserves for him a remnant. Always. Malachi is a great book to teach. As God's people apostatize in the back of the book or the end of the book, God preserved for him a remnant. Now, are the independent fundamentalists a remnant? I would believe that's a picture of a remnant of God preserving his people to carry his word, to be a testimony and light. So tremendous uh, uh, insight. I'm going to read that book, so I appreciate that. Uh, uh, Bill, yes, thank you, bro. <laughs> John chapter 13, let me get this uh, started here for us. Now, what did we do before PowerPoint? Oh, that's right, overheads. Yeah, I remember that. I, when I first started this study, there were some overheads. They, I didn't have any pictures or anything. It was, just, it was just like one printout of all my notes. And I would stick it on an overhead in the back there. On a, I'd have to uh, run it through a machine. And it would put on the clear laminate. And then you put it down. I think, we have come a long way. There's good and bad to this, by the way. Because I'd rather just be free teaching and preaching. But sometimes you've got to try to keep up with the slides. So if I'm not keeping up, forgive me for that. But... Uh, so John, we're going to talk about the laver, how John 13 is tied to the laver. Most people probably wondered, what, where is he going with this in John 13? But uh, they, these two have a lot in common. I'm not, going to give you a, a, I'm not going to dig too deep on John 13, but what I'm going to hopefully share with you will provide some insight of how it's connected to the laver in the Old Testament. Remember, up to this point, we've been spending a lot of time on the altar of sacrifice, the brass altar where the sacrifice were, that established the relationship God had with his people. That had to be first. That's why it was the first instrument. It was the largest instrument. But the second instrument that we're talking about that God set up was after the altar of uh, sacrifice, and that was the brass laver. Now, basically, it was a bowl of water. It had a foot to catch the water where they'd wash their feet, wash their hands as they did service. So, the altar of sacrifice was relationship, but the altar or the laver with water is, is a picture of God's fellowship with his people or how he expects his people to fellowship with him. So it also deals with service and it deals with uh, laboring for God. So it's one of the things that we read about last week was there was a warning attached to the laver that they had to stay clean. These priests had to stay clean, the Bible said that they die not. Not once God said that, but twice. So there's a warning there that attached to the lavers. You've got a, a relationship. Now I expect you to stay clean when you serve me, when you fellowship with me. And as a result of that, if you don't, there's consequences. Now those are severe consequences in the Old Testament. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, how this laver represents or how it's pictured here in John 13. And uh, again, it's made out of brass. Uh, it's filled with water, 
And these things are, are, are going to be connected to our fellowship with Christ, our service with Christ. Uh, so let's read a little bit of John chapter 13. I'm going to hit on verse 1 just because I'd ask you to just to meditate on this verse on your own. This has nothing really to do with the, the material today. But there's something here profound in chapter 13, verse 1, where it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of the world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, notice, he loved them unto the end. You can take that to the bank. God will love you unto the end. If you stop loving God, he's not going to stop loving you. God's love never is diminished in your life. He's, he's never going to fail you in his love. He's never gonna, it's never going to be diminished, and it's never going to be lost. God's love for you will never end. I'm talking about for believers. For the lost, that's a different... God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But if they reject him, they'll have to face the consequences. But for believers, God's love will never, ever stop. And I love that verse. I could park on that all day long. He loves me to the end. I failed him today. He still loves me. I fail him tomorrow. He's still going to love me. You think these disciples were failures? We, st we could study that and find out how often they failed. They failed him. He knew they were going to forsake him. They knew that we, they were going to deny him, and yet the Bible says he loved them unto the end. So, great verse for us to start, uh, to start this morning. So, now Jesus is about to teach them a valuable lesson. Again, we're going to tie this to the laver. Um, verse 4, Jesus rises from supper. He laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. And when he poureth water into a basin, the, this bowl of water, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, dost thou not wash my feet? Why are you washing my feet? And it had to be profound. They believe this is the Messiah, the Christ. They don't understand his death. They don't understand his resurrection. But they don't understand, why are you washing my feet? Good question. Peter, Peter's always the leader. And Peter's always getting ahead of himself. You always notice Peter's always speaking before he thinks. He says, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? Verse 7, Jesus answered said to him, What I do thou knowest not now, but you're going to know later. You'll understand this truth later. And then he says, what I do now, Peter said unto him, thou shalt never, careful of emphatic words like, never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. In other words, if I don't wash you, Peter, we don't have a relationship. So watch what Peter does. He reverses course instead of saying, hey, why are you washing my feet? He said, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Got to give him heart. for He wants to do what's right. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed, watch this, He that is washed, needeth not, doesn't need to wash, except his feet. So if you've been washed, you don't need to be washed again. But you need to wash your feet. That altar, that washed them. The altar of sacrifice washed that Jewish Israelite. But the laver was their responsibility to wash their feet. And that's what we've got to study, and that's what he's going to teach here. He says, he that is washed needeth not except to wash his feet, but is clean 
everywhere, and you are clean, but not all. Those Jewish men knew exactly what Christ was at least referencing in regards to the laver. Because water was all about purification. And so they knew about their feet. They understood at least physically what, but they didn't understand the spiritual significance here. This idea, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So these are the things that just keep in mind. But then he says, but he that is washed, if you've been washed, then you just got to wash your feet. So here we see it, a perfect ex example of this in the, in the scripture, how it ties with this. If I wash thee not, you don't have anything to do with me. In Exodus 29, this is pretty amazing. Aaron and his sons shall wash Moses, thou, Mo, shall thou Moses bring unto the uh, door of the tabernacle of the congregation and shall wash them with water. So, Moses, who is a type of Christ, would take the priest one time and wash them. Then they were allowed to go in and do service, and then he said, now I want you to keep your feet clean and your hands clean when you're doing service to the Lord. But this, this washing that occurred at the door of the congregation was a one-time event. And that's what Jesus said, if, I, if, if you're not clean, you have nothing to do with me. If I don't wash you like Moses washed the priest, you have nothing to do with me. Everybody follow that. Okay, it'll get clearer. So Moses was a type of Christ that washed them one time before they entered into the service of God. Every believer has been washed one time. You don't go to Christ to get washed over and over and over. Jesus said it very clear. Hey, Peter, you, I don't need to wash your feet. I've, if I make you clean, you're clean. But now you have the responsibility to keep your feet clean. So what I'm teaching you is a perfect illustration of what you have to do in ministry. So, here we go. It was not to be repeated, this washing that Moses did and that Christ will do to his, his disciples. We are washed one time at the moment we trust Christ as our Savior. You say, how? Well, let's look at these verses. I'm going to take my glass off. Unto him that loved us, I love this verse, by the way, and washed us from what? Our sins in his own blood. We were washed one time in the blood of Christ. We don't get washed over and over and over. It's a one-time occurrence, just like Jesus was teaching his disciples. Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration. That's a fancy word for a new birth. The word regeneration occurs two times in Scripture. Here in Titus, chapter 3, verse 5, and in Matthew, chapter 19. And here it's a reference to the new birth of the believer. There's a washing of regeneration. You were washed one time, and it gave you the new birth. That's not to be repeated. There's a washing, or there's a regeneration in Matthew, chapter 19. It has nothing to do with the believer. It has to do with the earth being born again. Did you know that? Did you know the earth's going to be born again? Romans chapter 8 tells us that the earth is travailing in pain as if it's about to give labor. Do you know when it's going to be delivered? When Christ returns. 
And the Bible says in Matthew 19 that in the regeneration, in the new birth of the earth, you will sit on 12 thrones judging the tribes of Israel. So Jesus referring to his return on this earth, there's a regeneration or a birth that will happen one time. And so, again, just making sure you understand the word regeneration has to do with new birth, which is one time. Jesus said, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. If I wash thee and you've been washed in the blood, you're clean. But now he says, but now you've got to keep your feet clean. In your daily walk with God. And we'll get to that here in a minute. So, the washing is a one-time occurrence. Again, we'll just reference this to that. By the which will, God's will, we are, we are sanctified, set apart through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. There's not a sacrifice that takes place every week or any time over and over. It's a once and for all sacrifice of the body of Christ. And for that sacrifice, by the offering, that sacrifice, he hath perfected, how long? Forever. And we talked about that last week, is positional sanctification is when you are born again, you are seated with Christ, but your practical sanctification is your walk with God on this earth. And he requires you to stay clean. But the washing, one time that Christ is referring to is your being seated with him in heaven. That he perfected you forever, them that are sanctified. The Bible says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. God doesn't know, he doesn't remember your sin. You say, well, why do I confess? Because he wants you to recognize your sin. But your sin's been washed once and for all. People say, well, that gives me a license to sin. You hear that all the time. What did he say to those priests? Keep clean that you die not. There'll be consequences for believers who don't stay clean and don't keep their walk clean with God, to the, even to the point of death. So, what was Christ teaching here? He that is washed needeth not except to wash his feet, John 13, 10. So in our daily walk, our feet can get dirty, defiled by the world and its filth. Now, that's not physical, the physical world. That's not the physical filth of the world. When we talk about our daily walk, we're talking about the spiritual things that happen that cause us to be defiled as we walk in this world. So Jesus is saying, hey, if you're clean, you're clean. If I make you clean, you're clean once and for all. But you've got to keep your feet clean, just like those priests had to keep their feet clean as they did service with God. It was their responsibility to go to the laver. It never told them how often to go. The altar said, the sacrifice had to go in the morning and at night. But he never told them how often to go to the laver. They were supposed to make the decision of when to make themselves clean with God to do service. So again, it represented their walk in this life as they served God. And when you walked in the Old Testament, that tabernacle, your feet got dirty. There was blood everywhere. You were sweating. So there was a constant need to stay clean. And so when Jesus is saying, hey, if I don't... If he that is washed needeth not except to wash his feet, he's saying that's the thing you've got to be concerned about as a believer. So, what fellowship? Want fellowship and service with God? Well, of course you do. Well, then you've got to stay clean in your walk. And that's what the laver's all about. 
And we're going to talk about how that, that laver pictures a couple things to help you stay clean in your walk with God. So, how, why the laver and how? These are important questions to ask yourself. Now, we all have one thing in common besides salvation. We have a sin nature. And we have three foes. We have the world against us. We have the devil against us. And we have ourselves, the flesh. I think the biggest enemy is ourselves. The devil's, granted, I mean, he can deal, he can fight against you, like in the situation with Job, but that's going to be a really serious situation. But most of our problems come from us, ourselves. And so as we walk in this world, we're fighting the world, we're fighting the flesh, and we're fighting the devil. And if we don't do the things we need to do to keep clean, we're going to lose that battle. I mean, the Bible says the flesh and blood, or we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers in dark places. We have a spiritual battle going on, and we have to be prepared for that. And if we're not, we're going to find ourselves out of fellowship and out of service with God, and we won't be clean in our walk. But ourselves, our, our own nature is, is to disobey God. We all know that. We understand this constant battle, this tension we have in our life. As we try to serve God, but yet we find ourselves serving ourselves. And then we have this battle going on, and there's one thing that helps us to stay away from, or stay away from the, the, the consequences of self, and that's the laver. Going to the laver to stay clean. So, why and how? Let's, let's look at a couple of these verses. Here in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 14 through 18, says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate. Talking about the world system. Touch not the unclean thing. God calls us to be separated from the world. That system, and if any man's a friend of the world, the Bible says, this is a tough saying, if any man's a friend of the world, he's at enmity with God. We have to do everything we can to not be a friend of the world, but yet be in the world. And to be in the world, in our walk, if we're not careful, it can get dirty really quick. Really quick. So, the scripture tells us, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How do you, how do you be, how are you transformed? And that goes back to the laver, and that water, and the brass. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. There are every believer's one of two things in this, in this life. It's happening, present tense. They're either conforming to Christ or they're conforming to the world. It's not, I'm conforming to Christ and conforming to the world. These two don't, they're not married. It's either you're conforming to Christ or we're conforming to the world. That's two options we have. If we're conforming to Christ, then we're using the laver properly. But if we're not using the laver in our life, then we're conforming to the world and our walk is getting dirty. Our feet are dirty. So the conforming is important here. Look, Laodicea was neither hot. The church of Laodicea in Revelation 3 was neither hot or cold. What they tried to do is not conform to the world, but they didn't conform to Christ either. They sat right there in that neutral territory, and God said, 
I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. He needs either hot or cold. But they were in the Mitchell. I, I think Moses really laid it on the line when, when, when he got back and they had built the golden calf and worshiping and dancing naked around it and the, 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 all the things God hated. And he said, Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? It's like he drew a line in the sand. This side, you're going to be fine. On that side, what did he do? He took, he took action. So God is saying, conform to the world, conform to Christ. To conform to Christ means you've got to go to the laver. You have the relationship. You're clean. But now you have to stay clean. That's the responsibility of every believer. And Jesus is telling his disciples, I've made you clean, but you have to wash your feet. Because they get dirty in this world. This world is full of filth. Stay away from the world, and then I'll have fellowship with you. Strong words, but yet great truths here for us. So I thought, what a good example we have of not staying clean. I'd love to, I could give you a ton of examples of staying clean. People stay clean in Scripture. But I want to give you an example of someone, as a believer, who chose not to stay clean in his walk with God. Anybody want to guess who that is? Old Testament? David. Good. That'd be a good one. Lot. Right out of the gate in Scripture. What can we learn from Lot's life? That he made decisions that best served himself. Remember I said, the world, the devil, and self. Your greatest enemy is, is us, our nature. Because we do everything to please what? Ourselves. But God's saying, I want you to please me. God's saying, please me. But we fight that. We like to please ourselves. So Lot's a perfect example. Instead of pleasing God like Abraham did, he sought to please himself. He served what his interests were. And that's why we read in Genesis chapter 13, in verses 10 and 12, that Lot lifted up his eyes, the lust of the eyes, where the three lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the eyes was, look at the well-watered plain. This will serve my interest. Instead of begging God, where do you want me to go, God? He lifted up his eyes to the well-watered plain, and the Bible says this, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Of all places, for someone to be looking to go live, that'd be the last place for a believer. But yet he looked at the well while it was beautiful. Sodom must have been beautiful. But what was contained in it was not beautiful. And he pitched his tent. Before you know it, that decision to serve his own interests turned into a disaster for him because he lived in the, ends up living, he pitched his tent, he wasn't there yet. But eventually, he got there. He made his walk or his journey into the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he chose to do so because the Bible says in, in Genesis 19 that he sat in the gate of Sodom. In other words, he became a leader, the mayor, whatever it was. He enjoyed his lifestyle in Sodom. His walk got really dirty. And the Bible will clearly show you this in, in the New Testament. But there... Gives you every indication his walk wasn't clean with God. So we read here. 
2 Peter chapter 2. By the way, um, don't misunderstand when I tell you this. Like I, I like New Orleans, but for different reasons than most people think. So let me clarify. I love the food in New Orleans. I spent years in New Orleans. I did travel business trips in New Orleans, tons of them. New Orleans is a perfect example of what Lot described as Sodom. Now, I'm not all of New Orleans, and not the people of New Orleans. So if you're watching from New Orleans, it's not about you. New Orleans is a filthy city. There's a lot of filthy in every city. I'm just picking on New Orleans because I know New Orleans. You get down into the quarter and all, some of the best food in the world, bar none. But it's a filthy city. You want sodomy? You want, you want everything in the world? New Orleans has it for you. There was a time in my life I was eyeing New Orleans to have a place there. And I remember God said, that's the last place you're going to go. Because God knows me and knows what I'm capable of. Now, I was thinking food. But God knows food would, would have probably been the least of my worries once I was there. My point is, is Lot made a decision that served his interest. And it eventually ended up to being his demise. His walk was dirty with God. In 2 Peter, the Bible clearly tells us this. He says he was vexed, which, which, which is influenced, with the filthy conversation. Now the word conversation is not just the words. Conversation here is the lifestyle. He was vexed or influenced with the filthy lifestyle of the wicked. We're all capable of this, by the way. For that righteous man dwelling among them, this is what's really important here. The Bible says Lot is a righteous man. You're not righteous unless you're saved. Or you're not saved unless you're righteous. So clearly he was a saved man. For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, he vexed, he influenced his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds, but he chose to do that. We have choices in our walk with God. He was affected with it. He was influenced by their filthy lifestyle. So over time, his surroundings negatively influenced and affected his walk with God. I can't, I think all of us here could tell a story about a believer that loved God, but ended up Somewhere down the line, falling in love with the world like Demas. For Demas hath forsaken me, Paul said, having loved this present world. The art, the wisdom, the power, the fame. He fell in love with it. And over time, we all know people who have left God for this world. It never ends well for any of them. Never ends well. So over time, his surroundings negatively influenced and affected his walk with God. He didn't stay clean, and it ended in judgment. If we really look at it, he's a type of believer that didn't walk close with God, didn't end well with God, and he lost his possessions, he lost his family, he lost his testimony, he lost everything. It's like the, it's like the judgment seat of Christ, not living for God Yet being righteous, you stand before God, Jesus Christ, and your works will be burned up because it's either gold, silver, 
precious stones or wood, hay, and stubble. And the wood, hay, and stubble burns up in the fire. Remember, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. And so he lost everything just like his, it's, I guess the saying, he was saved by the skin of his teeth. So he didn't stay clean and it ended in judgment. So how do we end well? How do we stay clean? That's where the brass laver this whole time has come in. The brass laver is a picture of the word of God. It is a cleansing agent. It's a purifier for our lives. And, uh, and so how so? How so is that? Well, the Word of God acts as a cleansing agent for the believer as he walks in this world. We, we've got a pastor here that emphasizes every time we're with him, read the book, read the book, read the book. Why? Why does a pastor, I mean, at some point you're like, okay, we get it, pastor. We need to hear that all the time. Because our nature is to not read the book. I don't know about you, but it, it's not easy to always read the book. It's not always, how many days you wake up, you're like, oh man, I don't feel like praying. <laughs> Come on now, don't leave me alone on an island. How do you, don't you, okay, some of you are spiritual birds, I get it. I'm not that spiritual. You're in? I got one. Any other takers? Any other takers? The reality is, we fight the spiritual things. And the book's no different. I've hey, look, my heart's been, I've read this book to where I read it, but I really wasn't reading it. I'm just, okay, Lord, I read my book today. I walked away and I didn't think of anything from the book. That's not reading it. But when I read it and I really need it, it becomes a cleansing agent for me. Just like that water in the laver was a cleansing agent for the feet of those priests. It is a cleansing agent for every believer. Just like Jesus, as he washed their feet with water, he was picturing you need the Word of God in your life every day to stay clean. Every day. And that's why we read in Ephesians chapter 5 that he might sanctify it, make it holy, Set it apart and cleanse it. Talking about believers as a body of believers, the church, with what? The washing of water by what? The Word. There's the, that's the laver. Ephesians 5, when the Holy Spirit said, Paul, write this. You know the Holy Spirit was referring to the laver. The water in there was the clean, keep your feet clean. Every believer needs the Word of God. There's an old saying that says, Dust on the Bible, drought in the heart. These hath God married that no man may part. Dust on the Bible and drought in the heart. If this Bible's collecting dust, there's going to be drought in the heart and you can't separate the two. When there's drought in the heart, you can't have a walk with God. It's impossible. So the Bible, as it's open and it begins to be real, then it begins to clean us. It begins the purifier. It begins, and this is where you're going to understand better, because unfortunately we're going to have to stop, where the brass comes in. Because what was brass? Judgment. What's the Word of God doing in our lives when we read it and it opposes us? It's judging us. 
That's why it was made out of brass and water. Because the Word of God judges us. We have to have it. And it does so in a manner that helps us, not hurts us. But that's for next week. But we'll get a couple, couple verses and then we'll close. How do we keep clean in our daily walk with God? Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto by the word. It cleanses our way. John 15, verse 3. Jesus said, you are clean through what? The word which I have spoken unto you. And of course, John 17, 70. Sanctify them, set them apart, make them clean through thy truth. What's truth? That's what Pilate asked for. What's truth? There's no truth is what he is saying. Jesus says, thy word is truth. And that's why we'll enter into the purpose of the brass connected to the water because it becomes not only a cleansing agent, but one to judge us, to help us have a course correction so that our walk with God can be closer as time versus a walk that, like Lot that could be further and end up in, in one's demise. With that, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today, for our gathering as your people. Thank you for our visitors and and families, we thank you that, Lord, we have this opportunity to open the scriptures to help us to better understand, Lord, the purpose of the laver and our purpose in our walk with you to stay clean. Lord, help us through that, the scriptures, through the Spirit of God, to, to draw close to you, to stay close to you, and to keep a walk that's pleasing in your sight. May you bless now this hour of worship that we enter into. May Christ be lifted up. May you give unction to our pastor as he preaches the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.